Welcome back to Hashtag Single with Jeanette Bonner. I am not a relationship expert or sex therapist. I'm just a regular New York City woman navigating the world as a single, independent feminist. Hashtag Single is about having honest conversations with other singles in today's device-obsessed culture. So I hope you'll join me on this interesting, challenging, and complex journey as we navigate the ins and outs of singledom. To hashtag single. I'm Jeanette Bonner, your host. Uh, we are back with another awesome episode featuring a guest expert. We're doing a little dating coach, ask a dating coach series here for all of your dating questions that you've always wanted answered but never knew who to ask. And I'm so excited to have on my podcast today, Erica Etten. Erica, thank you so much for being on hashtag single with me. Thanks for inviting me. Um, I'm so excited to have you here. I'm going to read your little bio so people know who you are, what your deal is, and um, I took this off the internet, so if there's any inconsistencies, you know, feel free. Whatever's to- on the internet, it's true. <laughs> you are welcome to use. <laughs> um, Erica Etten is the founder of A Little Nudge, the leading online dating coach in the United States, which has been profiled on NPR's Tell Me More, The New York Times, The Washington Post, Good Day Philadelphia, and AskMen.com. Ms. Etten holds a BA in economics from Cornell University and an MBA from Georgetown University. And after working in the finance industry for over seven years and doing years of online dating herself, she realized that her true calling was personal marketing or helping people put their best foot forward online. Since launching A Little Nudge, Ms. Etten has helped hundreds of clients in the United States and abroad and currently writes a regular dating column for philly.com and jdate and has published a book called Love at First Sight, S-I-T-E, <laughs> Tips and Tales for Online Dating success from a modern day matchmaker. She currently lives in Washington, D.C. So what a bio. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I want, I want to meet her. <laughs> she sounds awesome. She sounds awesome. She does. <laughs> um, so uh, first of all, I'm so fascinated by your background, which is really unique. How did you transition from the finance industry of all things into the dating industry? Yeah. Good question. So I was a really early adopter of online dating. I started in 2001 when nobody did online dating. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Everyone thought I was crazy, but I'm like, this seems like a cool way to meet people. (laughs) What could go wrong? Exactly. (laughs) So I did it on and off for a number of years. You know, you meet people, you take breaks, all of that. And Like you said, my background is in economics and finance and business. So I did what I thought I should do. I put together two things I really liked, online dating and spreadsheets. So I initially started the spreadsheet so I didn't accidentally write to the same person twice. But then I was like, I can measure stuff in here. Like, what's my response rate if I write to someone? And what's my conversion rate? If he writes back, what's the probability we're going to go on a date? Like really nerdy stuff. But I made little tweaks here and there to try to improve my response rates. And, you know, kind of like you can't really do a controlled experiment with people because nothing about people is controlled. But to the to the best of my ability, I, I did. And then my friends started noticing that I was doing better, you know, going on more dates, going on better quality dates. And they started asking me for help 
So I started writing their profiles and giving them advice and I really loved it. And so on the one hand, I was sitting in a cubicle every day, you know, looking at mortgage data. And on the other hand, I was helping people with online dating and loving it. So in early 2011, so over nine years ago, I quit my job and started the business and here we are. That is so wild. Does anyone, did anyone tell you like you were nuts for leaving a nice stable job? Anyone, everyone told, everyone told me I was nuts. And I didn't even tell my parents until I gave notice that I was quitting my job because I didn't want to try, I didn't want them to try to talk me out of it because you know, they didn't grow up with much. So like to them, you have a stable job, you have health insurance, oh my gosh. We talked about health insurance more in that two-week period than anything else. And to this day, I think they don't know, unless they listen to this, that I was without health insurance for five days. Oh, I thought and, you were going to oh. say five years, and I was like, no. I, no, no. Five I'm, days. I, I mean, I'm a risk taker, but I'm not nuts. So, uh, no, five days, which they still don't know. But, um, no, everyone looked at me like I was crazy because, I mean, think about it. In 2011... Tinder didn't even exist yet. Oh my God, that's right. I know. So while online dating didn't have the stigma it did when I first started it, it did still have somewhat of a stigma and it wasn't as mainstream as it is now. So it was not only the fact that I was quitting my job that, you know, did send me a paycheck every two weeks and that I was, you know, good at, even though I didn't like it, but it was also you're you're going into this field that is kind of new and is kind of like we don't know what's going to happen with online dating do people do online dating i mean obviously the answer is yes but it was a risk it was a measured risk yeah i have a, i had a, a guest on the podcast who left a, a job in uh i believe the tech industry um and she to found a dating app and i, I mean it's always one of those stories, you know, like the woman who created Spanx, like she has the same like story. Like it's always really honorable in retrospect, but in the moment we forget about how we um, forget to uphold and support risk-taking women for just leaving in the first place and wanting to follow your dreams. Like I just, I agree. I agree. And I think, I mean, maybe this is an assumption, but I think a lot of judgment comes from people who would love to have the courage or the flexibility to be able to do something they love. Yeah, very much so. So how does that like, so you, I mean, obviously you, you leave the finance industry and you say you want to pursue this, um, this, this new career. Um, you can set up a website and tell your friends that you're open for business, but is there any way to like, do you have to take a course in dating coaching? How does that work to, Set yourself up as a professional. Good question. So, um, yeah, you're right. I had to set up a website and I had to tell my friends I'm open for business. Uh, I there. I mean, I'm sure you could take courses. I mean, there are courses. I mean, there's a lot of psychology in it. There's a lot of life coaching in it. Um, I didn't. What I did do instead was I took on three, I called them my beta clients. So three clients for free, all people I knew. And I worked with them one-on-one to make sure I was offering the right services, to make sure I had my process down, and to see what to charge because I didn't know what people would value my services. So so I didn't take lessons in coaching people per se. I think that's something I've always had in me. And, you know, 
nine plus years later, um, you know, it's only gotten better and better because I've worked with so many people, but it was more, I needed to get the logistics of the business down. So that's what I did right at the very beginning. Yeah. That, I mean, obviously you have like the business background. I'm just, it's such a, yeah, but they don't really teach you in business school, how to start a business, which I know sounds crazy, Really, but yeah, I mean, and I barely paid attention in entrepreneurship class because <laughs> at the time I never thought I was going to leave my job. Like, like a lot of people who start businesses know they want to be an entrepreneur and then find the thing they want to start. I was totally the opposite. I never thought I was going to start. That was not in my plan. It was more, I loved doing this. And the only way to do it was to start a business. Oh, and I think that's, like I said before, I think that's honorable, like having such a drive and a passion for one thing to say, like, you know, despite all the odds, I'm going to figure out how to do this. I mean, it's largely been really this podcast. I like didn't know anything about making a podcast. I, I every day I feel like I still exactly. don't, you know what I mean? But I was really passionate about making it. And you're like, you know, I'll figure it out along the way. <laughs> how hard could it be? That's true for most things. I mean, who, like, I remember when I first started the business, I mean, this, there were no, there was no square for taking credit card payments yet. Like I had to figure out how to take a credit card payment, like things you don't even realize you need to learn. Right. You kind of just learn as you go. That's wild. So your bio says that a little nudge is the leading online dating coach in the U.S. First of all, congratulations. Um, I don't know who wrote that, but I'm thrilled about it. <laughs> I was going to say, like, how do you get to be the leading online dating coach? Is that my number of I don't clients? Know. Oh. So, someone thinks so and wrote about it. That's amazing. <laughs> It's totally on your website. I will say, though, I mean, I'm pretty connected in the industry. And when I say the industry, it's matchmakers, it's dating coaches. I consider that our industry. Yeah. There are a lot more matchmakers than are, there are dating coaches. And there are even fewer of what I do, which is online dating coaches. So when I started, I don't know, there were maybe two. And now, of course, there are more because online dating has become, you know, the way to meet people. But it is nice that in the industry, I am, what am I trying to say? You're well known. You have a um, reputation. Yeah. It, it's just nice that in the industry, I know that matchmakers who are different from what I do, I help people with online dating. They're setting up two people and saying, go have fun, see what happens. It's nice that they feel confident enough in me that they refer me business sometimes, which means that, you know, with, it, it's nice to feel respected in your own industry. Yeah. And to know, you know, if someone's struggling in a particular area, I can highly recommend this person and they will help you grow like that. Exactly. Just someone vouching for your skills. And um, I mean, that's a Obviously, you have a, a track record and a success rate, if you will. Otherwise, they wouldn't recommend them to you. Well, exactly. So that feels really good. So I, I don't, you know, I don't know who wrote whatever they did in my bio, but hey, I, I'm not going to turn it down. No, it's great. <laughs> Let's just say it. You're the leading online data coach to the U.S. I said it's I true. mean, hey, I'm just going to pat my back over here. Um, so I want to go back to the spreadsheets. First of all, gosh, I love spreadsheets. What were, because it's so scientific, I'm just going to use a scientific term. What were the theorems or the theories that <laughs> that came about with all of this scientific data? Did What did you, did you have any hypotheses that were then proven by all of your charts? A few, actually. So I did a lot on message length. 
you know, sending messages of varying length to see which got a higher response rate. Now, again, remember, you can't, okay, since we're getting nerdy here, you can't hold all else equal, or as they say, ceteris paribus in Latin. Um, you can't hold all else equal because I'm writing to different people. I'm writing at a different time of day. The same person might like me on a Tuesday and not on a Wednesday. So it's not a perfect experiment by any means. But anyway, I did uh, I did change a few things with the length and I found shorter messages and a shorter profile generally uh, got better results because people have short attention spans. When I give advice on a Bumble profile, for example, I'll recommend somebody write only say 25 to 40 words. I mean, that's really short. So that is one of the findings that a shorter profile or a shorter message generally does better, as long as there's still substance in it. Um, Wait, can I ask you a question about that? Yeah. Because I have found that uh, men write very short, succinct profiles. And women, like my friends or my own personally, tend to be a little more loquacious, a little more descriptive, maybe a little more verbose. Just, I think that's just the difference between men and women, um, sort of socially, biologically, whatever you want to say. So do you think men like shorter messages, shorter profiles, because it's what they themselves write and have? 100%. And I'm not sharing anything that's a secret, but men are more focused on your pictures anyway. So you have to make sure you pass that threshold. But yeah, I mean, I can't agree necessarily. I've seen some very long men's profiles and I've seen some very short women. So I can't make that generalization. But I will say that we want to, we, we need to remember that people are looking at a lot of profiles and they're not necessarily taking the time to read somebody's, you know, soliloquy if they're tired after a long day of work. So, you know, like in a newspaper, you want the important information above the fold. If you're on a dating app, you want to try to keep the important stuff on someone's screen so they don't have to scroll down too far to read everything because people just get tired and they don't necessarily want to. So, yeah, I would try to shorten it a little bit, especially on the dating apps, but make sure you're putting your best stuff in there, the stuff that makes you the most unique, the stuff about who you really are. So rather than saying, you know, I like to laugh and have fun, come on, you know, you're saying things about yourself. I host a podcast. I love playing chess on Tuesdays. I, I'm making this up, obviously, but the things that are you. And how did you tweak your own profile like over the years? Like what did you end up extracting is the essence, I guess. I have one of my old profiles on my website and it's it's kind of funny to read it now because, you know, that many years later, I'd probably write something different. But I mean, you do have to adapt your profile to the site you're on. So at the time, I mean, in the early, early days, I was on JDate, which is looking for a Jewish partner. And they had all of these boxes that you answer and it kind of lent itself to a longer profile. So that's what I used to do. But then you adapt to what's out there. You know, Tinder, you it just gives you a little blank box. You could write one sentence. But again, I generally recommend for people on dating apps, 25 to 40 or so words that really pack a punch. Like, I mean, here's a good analogy. I'm, I don't know where I get some of my analogies, but you know those people who go to the gym for like two hours and you're like, what could you possibly be doing for two hours? I mean, I can't even imagine being, right? 
but they're probably, I mean, maybe not that efficient, right? Whereas I work out for 15 minutes every day, but it's a really tough workout. And by the end, I'm like spent. So it's kind of the same thing with the profile. Like be efficient in your words. You know, don't put a lot of fluff in there because people aren't going to read it. Don't put a lot of like, I'm fun, smart, attractive. That's all subjective anyway. Just put a few factual things about yourself to catch someone's attention in a really efficient manner. Also, if anyone calls themselves attractive, they're immediately I deleted. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't think they're attractive? Like, come on, or smart, just write in a smart manner. Funny is a ridiculous one because everyone thinks they're funny. Oh, I know. Show but don't tell, right? Exactly. I remember once I was working with a client, very nice man, but he kept saying, I'm I'm so funny. I'm so funny. And I said, sort of as a joke at the end of our meeting, I said, I haven't laughed once, kind of as a joke. And he goes, well, I didn't know this was a comedy show. My father tells me I am very humorous. And it's just like, who doesn't think that? So exactly what you said, show don't tell. Did you, so what, what, what was the scientific data around like, response rate or like conversions to dates if you will um okay cupid had a study once that said response rates were around 30 some percent that's actually high now that's when fewer people were using online dating so i always made sure to get it higher than what okay cupid said was. <laughs> it was like so, a so challenge like, i mean if you get a 50 percent response rate you should be you should be doing cartwheels and dancing because that's amazing. I mean, response rates today are pretty darn low because there are so many options. And so a lot of my clients get discouraged when let's say they're on match.com. I work with a lot of older clients who are on match. And if they're getting one out of one response out of every 10 messages they send, I'm actually really happy with that response rate, whereas they think it should be a lot higher. So I sort of have to temper people's expectations on what their response rate should be. So for me, in the day, they were all higher because there were just fewer people online, so more people were responding. Um, conversion rate, you want to get it to as close to 100% as possible with the people you want to go out with. So I tell my clients, who are on the dating apps, I don't care how many matches you get. I don't care if you get two matches. The goal is to convert those two into actual dates or video dates or whatever people are doing now, right? So I don't care what your response rate is. I can care more that you're actually efficiently going from the dating app to in person. That's the most important. Was there anything you found like in your own experiment that would up the response rate or the conversion? Yeah, asking questions at the end of every message. People don't know what, yeah, people don't know what to say to you. So you have to ask a question. It's very frustrating when you're talking to someone online and they ask you nothing in return. Like at a certain point, how do you even answer that? Like, cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> Me too. You know, so... So asking a question at the end of every message does increase the response rate immensely. And how about like 
this is this is my hang up. Like I always say, getting off the damn app is a win. Like I'm I'm not even convinced that people are on online dating apps in order to meet people in in person. I really feel like people use them like social media apps to sort of fill a void of loneliness in the moment without any real intentionality behind meeting or finding a partner so like what was it that you felt really tipped people into meeting in person um well i wouldn't make the assumption that people aren't on the apps to meet to find a partner because then it'll become a self-fulfilling prophecy and you'll only (laughs) no you're probably right (laughs) uh so uh, assume people have pure intentions unless told otherwise but I agree with you. Uh, meeting in person, and again, coronavirus aside, let's say this is like normal days, meeting in person is the only way to know if you have a connection with someone. Now, things have changed, obviously, in now with, uh, with coronavirus, and so a lot of people are doing phone calls or video chats. So under normal circumstances, I would actually say stay on the dating app until you meet as in don't switch to text. I know this is morbid, but I call I call text the death of the first date because inevitably you give your number to someone and they never reach out or they reach out and they say something stupid or they say something they find funny but is offensive or it's just like it turns into, how are you? How are you? Good morning. Good night. How's your day? It always leads to laundry. I'm always, uh, someone's always doing laundry. So there's no sense of urgency anymore. So my best advice, even today, whether you're scheduling a call or a video or a date, is to take it right from the site to talking to that person with no, you know, no sort of middleman as text messaging. I love that and I 100% agree with you because I feel have where I have found that giving a number is like um it's like a win in itself. Like I don't know, it reminds me of like um goodwill hunting. Like like I got her number, you know. And I feel like the minute <laughs> I give my number, suddenly nothing happens and I'm like, "Oh, cuz in his brain he's like, I did it. I got the number. Like that's the prize." And I'm like, "No, the prize is meeting me, asshole." You know? So, I always tell guys I don't give out my number before the first date. It's a safety issue. Um, And it has come up numerous times where guys are like, that bothers them. Why won't you just give it to me? Why don't, like, what's the big deal? Why, like, I'm never on this app. I never check this app. It'd be easier if we text. Yeah, it's not easier. Just turn on your notifications. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, uh, and also just why does it bother you so much that I won't give you my number? Like, if if you can't respect my own personal Because they can't stalk you anymore. (laughs) Right, exactly. You know everyone's Googling phone numbers and this and that which I think is a mistake because you learn way too much information, whether it's true or not. Look, don't believe everything you read on the internet. And so, so I generally do give the advice to exchange your number a day before the date in case someone's running late and needs to reach you really quickly. Like, Hey, in case you need to reach me tomorrow, here's my number. That way it's not this is an invitation to text me incessantly. It's only for contingencies. It's also that guys can, once you give them their number, like you, they can send you photos and videos. You know what I mean? Like, whereas in the app, all that stuff is blocked or most of the apps they're blocked. Yeah, I mean, that's true. And you can't get consent. You can't unsee a photo or video. So that is true. Again, I wouldn't go in assuming someone's going to be gross. It's just, it's happened enough times that I'm like, I don't do it anymore. <laughs> like, you know, it's just don't, don't send me your I get shit. it. I mean, I don't want you to penalize new people for something somebody else did, but I do understand where you're coming from. So 
part of your philosophy is that if you market yourself well, you'll get more mm-hmm. dates. And the more first dates you go on, the higher the probability that you'll have a connection with someone exactly. simply by increasing your odds. So this is also known. Is that on the back of my book? I think you read that from the book. I love uh, it. Um, I think it. I think it also is from <laughs> your website. But um, <laughs> this is also known as the common phrase, it's a numbers game. It is a numbers game. Yep. So my friend Scott, who is no longer single, but we were single together and, you know, in misery together for many years. Wait, 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 wait. Pause. <laughs> single doesn't equal misery. Let's talk about that okay, for a second. Meaning, I just mean like we bitch to each other about how we were having a hard time. That's okay, all. Right. I'm with you that like, no, no, I'm also, I'm the number one person to say that like, we need to reclaim the term single as not a negative state. But yeah, there's no such thing as still single. I don't let people say still before single because that implies that single is not a valid choice. And someone could be single as of yesterday. That doesn't mean they are, quote, still single. They're single. You're you're 100% right. And like, thank you for catching me at my own bullshit. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I need, you know, I need it too sometimes. But um, going back to, so it's a numbers game, right? So he believed it was a numbers game. And when he was dating someone, um, he challenged me. I had been dating someone. I gave myself the parameters of dating, going on a date once a month. And okay. the the year went by, this is like two, three years ago at this point, the year went by and nothing came of it. There weren't any, you know, nothing went beyond maybe two dates. I didn't have anyone that I was really connecting with. So he challenged me to double it. I needed to, to now go on two dates a month and to double my in-person events. So I had gone on like two in-person dating events and he told me to go to four, which I did. And we, you know, we bet money on it. He's like, I'll give you whatever. We shook on it. It was a deal. And what I found at the end of that year was that I ended up going on dates just to meet my quota and not because I was actually really interested in the person. And so I was actually less excited about who I was meeting and having less connections than waiting for the real impetus to to meet someone in real life. I think there's probably a middle ground in there somewhere because I like your friend's advice because it is a numbers game, but everyone's personality is different. And if you found that you are getting jaded or tired or overwhelmed, only you know yourself best to know when it's time to stop because you're not, you know, putting your best self out there. Right. So like who doesn't want quality over quantity? Of course, you know, every client who comes to me says, I want quality over quantity. I agree. However, I do believe that quality can sometimes come from quantity because the more people you meet, like you said, or like I said, I guess, the the higher the probability you're going to connect with someone. You know, you meet one person who you think is going to be high quality and you don't get along. Well, that could be sad. But if you have a bunch of dates lined up and one you know, four don't go well, but one goes great, you're in a better place. Most dates are not going to, you know, hit it out of the park. And I don't want people to be on this roller coaster that they put themselves on, where they go on a great date and they think life is grand. And then they go on a terrible date and they think their dating life is in the toilet. It's like, no, most will probably be meh. It's a cumulative process. I think that's great. I I mean, I, I agree with you to an extent, I agree with you that there should be a middle ground. I, I think I was getting exhausted by the idea of like <laughs> the, the possibility, like you couldn't possibly meet all the single people in New York. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, I was like, maybe this this algorithm works in smaller cities, but if you're really trying to meet as many single people as possible in New York City, that's like really exhaustive and overwhelming. Well, yeah. I mean, of course you can't meet everyone. I mean, I think that two a month was probably good advice, but that may very well be too much for you. I mean, I always ask clients, like, what sounds reasonable to you? Some say one a week, some say one a month, some say as many as, as possible. So it really depends on on you. All right, you've uh, inspired me to go back. I think two, two was feeling, like I said, I was trying to hit a quota, like trying to get to the gym every Tuesday, you know, it was like, didn't feel good so it or organic. started to feel like work. But maybe like I can, we can do on, we can go back to like one a month. I will make that commitment for you, Erica. <laughs> I didn't even ask. So, wow. Okay. I'm just using you for my own personal benefit. Okay. What else can I get you to do? This is great. Um, I, uh, oh, I have a question for you. So, um, someone asked me when I was trying to find out, like, like, ask, find out, uh, what questions people have for a dating coach. Um, so what is the number of male to female clients that you have? I have 63% female, the rest male. Yeah, she was saying that she found um, that they're usually with dating coaches, they're female heavy. Um, is there, do you have, have any experience or insight around that as to why more women would seek out dating coaches than men? Yeah, I think women in general are more inclined to ask for help when they need it. Well, that, yep. <laughs> I guess that's true. That's I think it's 100% pretty, true. You're pretty simple. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like coaching both men and women. Sometimes I like coaching men better because they're looking for a female perspective and I'm female. I can give that. But yeah, in general, I do think women um, ha- have less of that sort of built in pride, like I can't ask for help, you know, it it seems natural to ask for help. And I do work with a lot of older clients. And there are more single older women than there are men. And when I say older, I mean, that's subjective, say, I don't know, say over 60. Um, And so women over 60, that's actually my largest demographic of clients. Really? Yeah, because Maybe they were married for 30 years and have never done online dating and don't know how. So that is a large portion of my clients' help. Do you, um, if this is unethical, you don't have to answer it, but do you ever match your clients up? Very rarely. (laughs) On occasion, I do. I mean, I'm not a matchmaker. I don't tout myself as being a matchmaker because I... I help people with online dating and make them better at online dating. And then I, I try to help them find dates from an online dating site. But if I have two people who I think are going to be a good fit, I'm not going to withhold them from each other. I just, I do it honestly, just for the feel goods. I set up two people recently. This is the reasoning behind it was hilarious. So no one has a secret code because chemistry is a wild card, but I set up these two clients because this is going to sound terrible. And I told them both. I said, look, neither of you gets back to me in a timely fashion. Like, you both kind of cancel a lot. Maybe you'll be great for each other. (laughs) I know that sounds horrible, but why not? You know? So they ended up, of course, rescheduling their date, I don't know, three times, which I guess was to be expected. And they went out. She liked him. He, He wasn't as into her, which was too bad. But 
I was I was pretty happy with my. That's really funny. But honestly, even if they hadn't met, like I feel like you kind of made your point, and that's like enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like regardless, you're like they probably were like, oh, touche. Yeah, I mean that's part of the reason I'm working with both of them because they need accountability. Right, I mean, just right. like you said, you know, you'll go on one a month. Like I'm sort of their accountability partner for that. Like one of them, we talk weekly to make sure you know, to make sure she's doing her online dating, to make sure she's sending messages and responding to people. And I feel badly that this is why she does it. But sometimes she's like, yeah, I answered because I knew you would be upset if I didn't. I'm like, okay, that's not what we're doing, but okay. <laughs> Whatever works, right? Exactly. What um, What are do you feel right now are like the number one questions or issues or concerns that your clients have around dating right now? Well, dating right now, people have a lot of questions about what's appropriate. Do I meet in person? Do I start with a video call? Do I start with a phone call? And ultimately, I can't answer that question. I, I certainly don't feel comfortable telling people to go meet in person if they're not comfortable doing that. So with coronavirus, I tell people you have to respect the other person's view on it. Like if one person doesn't want to meet, then that's sort of the lowest common denominator and you have to meet over the phone. So that's a big question I've gotten. I've gotten questions on how do you do a successful video call? And a lot of it is optics, you know, make sure you're in a place to, you know, clean up your background Make sure it's not loud. Make sure you're balancing your phone or your laptop so you're not making someone seasick. You know, dress like you would for a first date. You know, I've had people show up shirtless and it's like, seriously? Oh my God. That's how you would present yourself? That's not how you would go out on a first date. Why would you do that in your own home? Because it's still a first impression. So I've been helping a lot of people will actually walk around. They'll walk around with their phone through their home or apartment and I'll tell them where the lighting is best. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. I should do that I mean, you friends. can do it yourself that's too. Smart. You can just turn the camera towards you and carry it around. But in general, you want the lighting to be coming from in front of you, not behind you. So it doesn't make a shadow. Um, I bought one of those little ring lights on Amazon just to, just to simulate a little lighting in front of me. Things like that actually do make a difference. That's actually uh, one of the questions that... I'm going to call this section listener questions to make myself feel really fancy. Um, but uh, essentially one of my friends, really, but also a listener, um, wanted to know, like, how many virtual dates would you recommend before and in real life date? I know that's a hard question to answer, but. Well, that again, that depends on how comfortable. I would rather no virtual dates and just meet in person. But again, it's what you're comfortable with. At a certain point, though. You're never going to know if you have that physical chemistry if you don't meet because you can only get so much from a video. It's a great proxy for how you're going to feel in person, but it's not perfect. So, again, I'm no health expert. I can't tell people when to do it, but I would get to the in-person sooner rather than later if you are comfortable with it. Yeah, and I think there's um, – I've had some friends do some, you know, COVID-safe in real-life dates – going on a walk or um, maybe a, a picnic in the park where you can set, sit a little separate from each other. Right. You know, it doesn't have to be what we used to do, our go-to. I think that's the question that everyone's confused about. It's like our go-to right. was to go to a bar and grab a drink. So Exactly. Yeah, you can sit outside and grab a drink, but... You just have to be a little more creative about it. Yeah, I think so. And 
It takes a lot more communication. Someone was asking me this yesterday. So she's only been on one date, one in-person date since all of this started. And she said, well, how do you escalate, you know, with health stuff? Like, how do you, do people make out now? And I said, yeah, you know, people make out, but it does require a lot more communication than it used to. I mean, I've had people say, I've made out with other people. I just want to let you know, which is the weirdest thing. But in this day and age, I mean, that's very nice that someone would share that to sort of let the other person assess the risk. And I told this client, when you're ready for things to escalate with someone, you'll talk about it. You'll talk about how comfortable you feel. Um, you know, I've had other people ask before a date, are we are we hugging? Are we hugging on this date? Which yeah. is, you know, five months ago, that would have been the most ludicrous question. But now it's actually a respectful thing to ask to sort of know what you're getting yourself into. Right. That's a really good point. Like all of the things that we were too embarrassed to say out loud, like you just have to be a grown up and have that awkward conversation ahead of time and say, well, I'm going to be wearing my mask what are you going to exactly. be doing? Are we doing this with masks? Are we doing it without? What if it's raining? Do we go indoors? Do we mm, not? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I'm getting stressed. Thinking about oh, sorry. I didn't mean to stress you. No, no, no. It's not a stress. It's a, it's a social anxiety. It's just a different path that we have to navigate that we've never done before. You know, it's, um, there's just things to think about and think through that we haven't had to think through before. That's all it is. Well, exactly. And it, it tells you a lot about someone else's way of thinking. Like I have a client who's on Bumble and she was planning a date with someone and with no disregard or with no regard for where she lived, he said, why don't you come to my rooftop? And she was like, she said to me, no, one, not convenient for me. Two, I don't want to be stuck at his place. Like he could have come up with any better solution. Yeah. It does tell you a lot about someone. Yeah. And without having the conversation of like, are you comfortable taking the subway yet? Because I have some friends Correct. that have not yet taken the subway. So like, right. like, let's start there. Like, are you cool taking the subway or are you going to bike to me? Like, what are well, you Well, exactly. Are you and like, at? she was on the Upper West Side and he was all the way out in Brooklyn somewhere. And she's like, I'm not, no. <laughs> I love, I love the phrasing of that question. It was like, why don't you do this? Not, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got an idea. Why don't you come to me and we'll hang it's out on like, my Brooklyn on now. rooftop? Exactly. Um, what that like that brings up another question. Uh, my friend Jessica uh, wanted to know how you make a long distance relationship work with a um, with a pandemic going on when traveling to to see each other is inadvisable. I mean, I can't sugarcoat the fact that it's hard. It's hard, and it takes commitment on both of your parts, and so you kind of both have to have the same level of commitment and expectation. You know, how often do we talk? Do we talk on the phone? Do we have video chats? Do we, do we sacrifice something at some point and have one of us travel? You both have to be on the same page. So there's no, it's not easy. I mean, long distance, anytime is not easy. It's even harder now. So again, it just requires a lot of communication. It'll work for some people and it won't work for others. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think just overt com communication more than we've ever yeah. had before, asking mm -hmm. awkward questions. And um, I think I think the big issue, obviously, whenever this comes up is 
is fear of the answer. You know, what if I say like, hey, um, I'm going to be wearing my mask and I would feel okay if you would wear yours. And the person I'm about to meet says, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not going on any dates where people aren't wearing, where people are wearing masks. And then you have to be okay with the fact that you say, okay, then I'm not comfortable meeting you. Right. I love that you just said that it's fear of the answer, because I think so many people are afraid to communicate anything or their needs or their questions for fear of the answer. And even though the answer might not be to your liking, at least you have the full information. I think if we're, if we're entering into a weird, new, uncomfortable world, and we just have to be, we just have to accept that it's going to be uncomfortable. <laughs> you know? I, like, yeah, I agree. And I think that bodes well for everyone just in general, like communication is really important. And I know, look, easier said than done. I know when you like someone, it is really hard to be your true self and express your true self. That's why people who we don't like, like us, because we're as communicative and honest as possible. But sometimes we just have to be deliberate about it and, and just bring stuff up. Yeah. Um, to round this out, I would love to hear your number one piece of advice for dating in our current climate oh boy okay (laughs) too Um, much too much no it's not too much i'm just i'm not even going to answer the current climate part i'll just give some dating advice but that will apply anytime you know a lot of people have their laundry list of this is what i want this 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 and this or this is my type and i just encourage everyone to just think outside the box a little bit because I don't know a lot of people who end up with the person who they thought they would. It's usually that someone surprised them in a positive way. So I would just say, you know, try, especially now, we'll talk about in this environment, it's really easy to schedule a video date. You don't have to leave your couch. So maybe expand your horizons a little bit and talk to some interesting new people over video because it's easier and you just never know. Like I had a client the other day who said, I won't go out with her. She has two tattoos. And I said, <laughs> does that make her a bad person? No. Well, I don't like them. I said, but that's so surface. That's so judgy, you know? And so all you have to do is talk to this person and see. So what about so what about this current climate? How do you adjust that for our current parameters? Well, I was just saying, since it's easier to have a video date now, you don't have to leave your, your home. You can be more open-minded and more expansive in who you talk to because you're not driving an hour or taking the, the subway for an hour, you know, to meet someone. So now is the time to explore a little bit. So use it to your advantage. So just sort of say yes more often. Yes, exactly. Pretend you're in improv class. Yes, and. (laughs) I love that you said that. My previous guest who was a matchmaker had an improv background. Oh, I love it. like 100% how we ended the episode. (laughs) Perfect. Yes, and. (laughs) Oh, my God. That ties in so nicely. Um, And honestly, like, that is the perfect button. So I'm like... (laughs) We're just going to call it, uh, call it there. Um, Erica, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk to us about your experience and your input and your insight as to what's going on with dating mm-hmm. right now. My pleasure. Um, if people want to work with you, how do they get in touch? Uh, you can go to a little nudge.com. So a little nudge and U D G E. And there's a little button you can click to schedule a free consultation. I'll talk to anyone for for 20 minutes. We'll have a little talk. We'll talk about your dating experience, what your obstacles are, and then what I offer and see if anything would be the right fit. I love that. 
So, well, hopefully we can connect some people. And oh, yeah. um, uh, regardless, it was just like so great to uh, to meet you and, and oh, thanks. Get, you too. get to know you virtually. <laughs> <laughs> One day in real life. I hope so. I hope so. Me too. Um, all right, guys. Well, that is it for this episode of Hashtag Single. We will catch you next time. <laughs>